It's great to have baptisms. It's great to see people making that decision for Jesus. It's great to see that Jesus is still relevant and moving and living in the world around us. And it's such a privilege this morning to stand in that baptismal pool and to baptise three young people. So I'm not going to speak for too long this morning. Um, We've heard the most important thing, which is the the testimony to the, the, the witness of Jesus moving in people's lives this morning. But I do just want to um, share a message which is sort of, it's directed at our three baptismal candidates this morning, but it's also directed at all of us because it's a reminder. It's a reminder of how we should live our lives. You see, we've got a role to play in the relevance of Jesus in the world around us. We can't just sit back and leave it all to him and say, well, go on then, do it. Because the Bible makes it clear that Jesus works through us. You and I are the vessels that he uses to work through. And so it's important that when we remind ourselves of the promises that we make in a baptismal pool to live for Jesus, as we hear testimony and as we perhaps personally are reminded of our own relationship with him, it's important that we are reminded also of some of the things that we can do to inform, to, sorry, to ensure that we live a life that reflects his glory and his love. And so I said earlier that we were coming to the end today of a series that we've been doing, looking at the seven characteristics that define us as a church. And the last one is being kingdom-inspired. And we've been looking a lot at the book of Acts and the early church and seeing what we can learn from from the early church, um, from the mistakes they made and also from the things that they got right. But as I've been preparing for today, I felt more and more drawn to Romans 12. Because Romans chapter 12 is a chapter that is just jam-packed with life instruction. Things that we can do to make it clear that that we we are different to the world around us, that we live for a different purpose with a different motivation. And so I just want to, I'm not going to work through the entire chapter because I know um, uh, time's getting on and um, uh, we've already already heard from our our baptismal candidates about the difference that that Jesus has made in, in, in their lives. But for our lives today, I just want to pull out a few salient points from this passage. So to begin with, this is Paul writing to the church in Rome. Now, the church in Rome, it was, sort of, it was, an, it was a church that was um, suffering persecution. There, was, there were authorities who didn't like the fact that the church was growing. It was becoming a more and more significant entity within Rome. It was becoming a bit of a threat. There was more and more people who were starting to follow Jesus. And so this was a church that were in need of some guidance, some encouragement. A reminder that actually, as Christians, we will find ourselves sometimes in those situations when when we know that actually we're we're swimming against the tide. The world is trying to go one way and we're trying to stand firm or go the other. And Paul writes to the church in the 12th chapter of this letter. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, I don't know about you, but often when we come into church and someone says, are we going to, be, are we going to have any worship today? I think of sung worship. I'm not at all musical. I can't play any instruments. I cannot sing to save my life. And so I... I if it was just down to me, there would be no sung worship at all. Just couldn't do it. 
And thankfully, we're really blessed with loads of musicians and, and worship leaders who, who lead us in sung worship. But we mustn't make the mistake of thinking that sung worship is the only form of worship. God loves us to worship him, not because he's an egotist or because he's a bit arrogant and loves to have, have people telling him how great he is, but because worship is part of the relationship we have with God, to recognize what he's doing in the world around us, the, the creation that he's given us and the responsibility that he's called us to. And so when Paul writes that we must offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, he says this is true and proper worship. In other words, everything that we do in our lives Every place we go to, every person we meet, every conversation we have, it's all worship. If we offer ourselves to God, at the beginning of each day, Lord, I give myself to you again today. Do with me what you will. Use me as you wish. Then from that moment on, everything that we do should be an act of worship because if we're true to that, if that's not just empty words, if we're true to that, then that becomes our life's motivation to live an act of worship, to go out into the streets and how can I worship God when I can, I can stand with, with the, I can feed the poor, I can stand with the oppressed, I can help people, I can, I can give some time to someone who's lonely, I can serve people. That is an act of worship. It pleases God when we do that. Paul goes on, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love the, the testimonies that we've heard today as we've heard of the change that is made. The change that is made when someone realises the, the, the truth behind the words. When someone realises that the scriptures they've heard time and time again, maybe as a child coming through Sunday school or, um, or maybe at school or, or in other places, suddenly there's that moment of realisation. Hang on a second, this is, this is worth something. This is important. This is powerful. This is true. So for those three who have got baptised today, and for anyone who's ever got baptised or is thinking about baptism, then our role, the role that Paul reminds us of, is not to conform to the world. If we're conforming to the world, then the world tells us how to live our lives. And if we're listening to the world to tell us how to live our lives, then we're not listening to God. Jesus says we cannot serve two masters. You just can't do it. You take instruction from one place. When I go home today, I will take instruction from one place. But even she knows <laughs> that God is my ultimate authority. We must never make the mistake of trying to serve more than one master and we must never forget that the one master that we should serve with our lives is the living God because he is the one who has our best interests at heart. Paul goes on in verse 9. He says, love must be sincere. So we talk about a lot about love in church, loving thy neighbour, loving loving people, seeing through, through any barriers that might exist that the world tells us exist between us and them and loving them, loving the individual, love our enemies. Love can be really difficult, but what we mustn't do is be flippant about love. Love must be sincere. People see straight through us if we just make them our next project. Oh yeah, my neighbour, I'd like him to come to church, so I'm going to be really nice to him and, and encourage him to come along and invite him to a barbecue and invite him to a service and then get him along, and then who's next? That's, not, that's very short-term love. 
the individual who's been subjected to that is going to think, hang on a second, you've, you've, you've sort of brought me along and now you've, you've spat me out and left me. They won't feel loved. Love is a long-term commitment. Love is, it must be genuine, it must be sincere. It must be something that people recognise, that even when they treat us in a way that we wouldn't wish to be treated, they still recognise that we love them. Because that's not the way of the world. The world says if someone treats you badly, then get them back. Ditch them, move on. There's always someone else. Jesus says, no. Someone treats you badly, you turn the other cheek. You love them with sincerity. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love, honour one another above yourselves. To the three candidates who have been baptised today, this is, this is gold dust in terms of how to live a Christian life. With that sincerity, with that depth, hate what is evil. Hate is a powerful word. Hate is a really powerful word. The Bible doesn't often talk about hate. But here, Paul is absolutely adamant, we must hate what is evil. Anything we recognise, any wrong in the world, we might feel that we can't make a difference, but we can stand against it by showing that we despise what we see as evil in the world. And we can stand for what is good. In fact, we can do more than that. We can love what is good. Never be lacking in zeal. Life is not easy. In fact, sometimes life is blooming difficult. We have our highs and our lows, but often it's the lows that really, really seem to linger. They can drag us down. They can hurt. We can wake up in the morning and not want to face the world because the world doesn't feel like a very nice place to be in. Paul says, never be lacking in zeal. Never allow ourselves to be, to be discouraged, to be disheartened. Go into every day expecting God to do something amazing, expecting amazing things to happen. Go into every conversation with an optimistic outlook, thinking, do you know what? I'm going to leave this person so they feel better than they did before I started talking to them. Never be lacking in zeal. Never be half-hearted or lukewarm. That's hard to do. Sometimes we just feel shattered. We don't want to have, have the conversation. We don't want to go to the service. We don't want to go to the prayer meeting. That's human. That's okay. But we should never get to the point where we don't want to speak to Jesus where we don't want to act upon his prompting, where we can't be bothered to do what he tells us to do, where we can't be bothered to read the word. We should never be lacking in zeal, this passion, this energy, this, this joy, this desire to serve Jesus. It should excite us, it should fill our hearts, it should be something that motivates us to get out of bed in the morning and we should go to bed at night full of that same motivation and excitement, looking forward to what he's going to do the next day. Never be lacking in zeal. Never. But keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. 
Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. These are all life lessons. These are all instructions that are so important. They're so important. And do you know what I want to say as well? A reality to the the three who have been baptised today, but also to the rest of us. Let's face it, sometimes the church gets it wrong. The church is a gathering of imperfect people worshipping a perfect God. And sometimes mistakes are made. Sometimes people act in a way that they shouldn't or say things that they shouldn't. Sometimes there is division and hurt. Sometimes the church can be a tough place to be. But we should never, ever lose sight of our relationship with God. There are so many people I've met over the years who say, I sort of believe in in God, but I don't like organised religion. Now, a lot of the time, that is code for I can't be bothered to get out of bed on a Sunday morning. That's what it often means. But there are people who have genuinely been hurt by church and it's really damaged their relationship with God. When you meet these people, when you meet these people, I think there's an important lesson that we can take from something that happened this week. Now, regulars here will know that I'm a cricket fan. And um, this week has been a really depressing week as a cricket fan. Not just because England are in the process of handing the Ashes gift wraps on a plate to the Australians, but also, more importantly, because there was a damning report that came out this week about the state of English cricket. And it shows that, as an institution, it's in a pretty dark place. It's not good. And that's so sad. What should be an accessible, enjoyable activity is, is tarnished. And there's a lot of work to do to put things right. But I saw an interview with Ben Stokes. Some of you may have, may have seen the same thing. And he was being... So Ben Stokes is the captain of the England Test team. Great player, great captain, and a great ambassador for the sport. And when he was asked about for his response to the, this report, he, he gave quite a good response. But part of it, he said, everyone has a different story to tell. I'm Ben Stokes. I was born in New Zealand a state-educated pupil who dropped out of school at 16 with one GCSE in PE. So, no GCSEs, really. (laughs) I needed help with the spelling and grammar in this speech, and I'm currently sitting here as the England men's test captain. You see, what I love about that is he's saying, this is me, I'm not from here, I failed academically. We make such a big deal of people, we gauge people, um, people's ability by academic um, achievement. And he says, I didn't achieve anything, really, at school. And then he had the humility to say, with this very speech, I needed help with the spelling and grammar. In other words, he's showing humility. He's setting himself aside from the institution and he's saying, as an individual, this is just who I am. I'm vulnerable, I'm imperfect. And yet, I sit here as the England men's test captain. So in other words, despite my vulnerability, despite my my lack of academic achievement, despite the fact that I'm not from this country, I've put all that to one side, and I find myself chosen to lead this team. Each and every one of us sit here today. We were born into a world where we, we were born not knowing Jesus. We would all have failed in some way. Some of us will be haunted by failures of our past. Some of us will 
have moved on from them, but none of us have got everything right and achieved perfect grades every time we've done something. We all bear the scars of failure and hurt. As we sit here today, none of us are perfect. We all carry with us a burden of sin. We have all done wrong things, said wrong things, hurt people, made bad decisions, perhaps damaged relationships. And yet, the promise of Scripture is that we all can sit here today and say, despite my failings, despite my lack, despite the mistakes of my past, despite my current mistakes that, that I'm still in the process of, 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 of committing, I sit here today, set aside by Jesus, chosen by him to play the role that he has set out before me, to follow the path that he has given to my life if I choose to. And the option that we have is whether we choose to follow the path that Jesus sets before us or whether we choose to abandon it and to forge our own path. We've heard from three baptismal candidates today. We've heard of the difference that Jesus has made to their lives and we've seen the response that they have felt called to give. When we read Romans chapter 12, I challenge you, if you're not yet a believer in Jesus, I challenge you to read that chapter and find anything in there that you disagree with. Anything in there that you say, that's not, that's not how you should live life. That's not con conducive to a, a, a happy community. That's dangerous, that's selfish, that's wrong, that's damaging, that's divisive. I challenge you, read Romans 12 and then tell me that this is not a wholesome, loving, genuine, good code by which we can live life. Jesus loved each and every one of us. His love is never-ending. And so as we, as we draw to a close this morning, as you go away from here later on today, I want to read the last verses. Or rather, I want to read verse 18, which says, If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We live in a world where peace is at a premium. There is conflict not that far away in Europe. There is political strife going on in France. There is backstabbing and all sorts of political conflicts going on in our own government. Look at the headlines from America and there's always politicians or celebrities who are hammering one another. There is so much conflict in the world. People love to attack each other. And then they have to go ultra-defensive and there's just this constant mudslinging. We live in a world which Jesus says, do not conform to it. Not because he wants us to be different, not because he, he doesn't like us and he wants us to be miserable, but because he says there is a better way. There is a better way. When Jesus was baptised, the Spirit of God descended like a dove 
A dove is a symbol of peace throughout Scripture. Jesus, as he went through his life, he knew oppression, he knew attack, he knew slander and mockery, he knew all these things because he was subjected to them. But never once did he go on the offensive. Did he start hammering individuals, slating people, insulting people, getting personal. Instead, he absorbed and he responded with peace and with love. And eventually, he chose to die on the cross for those people. It is a real privilege to be a Christian in this world today, in this country today, where there are so many, so many people who won't give Jesus a chance. If we live lives that reflect the values and the teachings of the Bible, if we follow Jesus and do our best for him, then we will make a true difference in the world around us and show the world that Jesus is living and active in us. I'm going to pray and then we're going to close our time together with another song of worship. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word and thank you for the, the life instructions that we have heard this morning. And Father, we pray as we go out into the world, whatever this week holds in store for us, you will keep fresh in our hearts and fresh in our minds the instructions to be sincere, to show love, not to conform to the world, but instead to, to know that there is another way. There is a way that brings peace. There is a way that brings hope. And there is a way that shows grace. Father, may we be the ambassadors that you call us to be. May we live lives that honour you and that follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
Please do join us for um, refreshments after the service. If you're, if you're a visitor here or new here, please come and say hello. It's always good to meet new people. But right now, let's pray. Father God, thank you for what we have witnessed this morning. Thank you, Lord, um, for, for baptism. And thank you for Rachel, for Hannah, and for Luke. And we pray, Lord, that for them especially, as they go out into the world this week, you, you will protect them, you will guide them, and you will instill in their hearts the joy of knowing you. And Father, for all of us, we pray that as we face whatever the world has to throw at us this week, we will face it knowing that we are not alone, but we are in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son as well, that we are united in our faith. Father, we thank you for your presence in our hearts. We thank you for the path that you set before us. And we pray that you will help us to live lives that honour you, that glorify you, and that show the world that you are living, you are active, and you love. Bless us, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.